humanitarian. Evaluations are an essential part of humanitarian accountability, and working with a good evaluator is a fantastic opportunity for learning and improving. However, often evaluations turn into painful confrontational accountability exercises that leaves nobody satisfied and changes nothing. This week's guest on True Humanitarian is Michael Patton, and he has a long experience with evaluation and some very clear opinions on what they can do for us and what they ought to be. Michael's perspective is very challenging, including a fundamental challenge of the humanitarian principles as they stand today. We had a wonderful long conversation about evaluation, but also about the principles. Most of the principle discussion has been edited out of this episode, not, not because it wasn't interesting, on the contrary, but because it, it actually merits a episode of its own to discuss the principles and how we turn them into something more concrete guiding our actions. So we will prepare that episode and publish that at a later stage. I hope you enjoy the conversation. As always, please like us on social media, forward the episodes to colleagues who may be interested, reviewers, so on and so forth. There's a PayPal link on our website if you'd like. Most importantly, listen to the conversation and use it in your daily work. Michael Patton, welcome to True Humanitarian. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's a real pleasure having you here. You are an evaluator. I think that's the best way to describe you. And you are you have written several books, eight books about evaluations, uh, have a long and varied experience within that field. And what we are going to talk about today, of course, is what are evaluations for the humanitarian sector? What can they do for us and what can't they do for us? So, Michael, for me, in, in my experience, evaluations, it's often been something where we have this log frame we wrote a year and a half ago, and now the donor wants to know whether we use the money right. And we, we didn't collect all the indicators. And, and actually, when we look at those indicators now, they aren't the right ones anymore. And it's just a, a pain, and we always feel like, we feel like it was an okay operation, but this whole evaluation exercise seems just to come very late and be more of a, a sort of face-saving exercise rather than some kind of learning. That I've been in that sort of cramped or, or not very comfortable uh, evaluation on a couple of occasions. Does that, does that sound familiar to you? It does. I hear the complaints from the, the uh, participants all the time about that very thing. So, so you, as an evaluator, how do you approach that situation? Is it just because we are not professionals or... or, or is, it, is evaluation simply not a very useful thing for us to do? Well, I don't do the accountability stuff. Um, so that's a beginning point. It is a useless operation. It's based upon, you know, theory X and theory Y. Theory X is that people need to be controlled and they're going to mess up and that people have to uh, be managed tightly. And it's true that there are a few bad eggs out there and there is some misuse of funds and there is some corruption. And so we've created a massive uh, accountability structure to try to control the 2% error, um, which is not that hard to control with good auditing. And so instead of, especially in a, I mean, this is a reflection of our politicized situation of, of politics one of our great founders, Lee J. Kronbach, wrote a book with, with students called Reform of Evaluation in 1980. And it was 99 premises 
like Martin Luther, that he posted on the door to reform evaluation. And one, one of, this is 40 years ago, one of the premises was a call for accountability is a symbol of pathology in society. Um, it basically means that there's distrust. And you know, if we look at somebody like Eleanor Ostrom's work, um, trust is fundamental in society. And the whole accountability structure from international agencies sends a message that we don't trust you. Um, instead of sending a message that you're doing important work, how can we enable you to do the best job you can? And you're out in the field, tell us what you're doing, tell us what you're finding, tell us what's happening, tell us how we can support you instead of from the top saying we don't trust you. So that's a very soft, I would say, approach to evaluation, right? Because I agree with you that the accountability mechanisms we put in place for the sector sometimes seems excessive. But at the same time, if you hand out several hundred million dollars in an operation in a country that is really difficult to operate in, that may be very corrupt, where a lot of money is being done on procurement, don't, don't you need somebody to come in and do a bit of a, a, bit of a check on whether uh, this just went down the drain? That's an auditor's job. If the money is getting spent or not, that's what auditors are for. They, they track the money. We're tracking programs. So David Beasley, the head of the World Food Program, um, suddenly finds himself faced with a war in Ukraine. For the last five years, the WFP has gotten 50% of their food from Ukraine. He's not going to get that from Ukraine anymore. Does that mean he's messed up? He wasn't accountable because his strategic plan said, we've got a great food donor. Ukraine's a breadbasket of Europe. We can count on getting food from them for the rest of the world. Now he can't get food. Does he have to change his strategic plan and go back to the board and say, oops, things have changed? So they're in a major pivoting kind of role. And you have to trust the people in the field to do that. Let the auditors worry about the money and get good people out there who are adjusting especially in humanitarian conditions, adjusting to rapid changes. Let them report that out to you, what they're learning. Um, have good managers. And what evaluators do, what you're calling soft, I actually think is quite hard, and that is helping them make those adjustments. It is true that you're not in a good position always to know how well you're doing without a set, another set of eyes, without getting some data, without getting some help. And I tell them, if you can meet, if you meet the internal commitment to do the best job you can, we can meet the external commitment to accountability. But if evaluation begins with an external commitment to accountability, it will be burdensome, it will be laborious, and people will come to hate it. Let's say you have a situation where there is politics among the, in the interagency community, they don't agree on what should be done, and actually the way the the final operation comes out is very clunky because there was an agreement and it was a political deal. You talk about trust and you talk about uh, commitment to accountability, but but if it was politics that drove the operation, uh, my experience is that people are quite uncomfortable then actually having the sort of hard learning that, that you like to do. do. Does that sound familiar? Well, when I run into those situations, what and I do, what I want to do is get those players in the room and facilitate how they're going to be effective together. 
um, to be on the ground early enough to detect that's what's going on and not wait to the end and say, hey, this was a political mess. That's useless. Okay, it was a political mess. It's five years later. Nothing can be done about it. But if I'm there at the front end as, and I'm getting to know these players and helping see that they're getting themselves in a political quagmire, I will bring them together and facilitate uh, some common uh, agendas, some common ways forward. And I'm letting them know that uh, I'm both there as an external set of eyes, but that they actually need that facilitation. They can't solve that political problem on their own. Um, they either need me or they need somebody else to manage the interagency conflicts, the political power dynamics, um, and that 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 needs to be done sooner rather than later, up front rather than at the end. So the kind of evaluation I do is built in right from the beginning. It's part of the design. It's not an afterthought. That to have evaluators there during the design of these processes, anticipating and looking at the potential political interactions, if you're funding multiple agencies and asking them to cooperate, you're going to have a political problem. That's a design element. I know that up front. You know that up front. You don't wait until they're fighting to send somebody in to solve the problem. You say, hey, we're asking five agencies uh, to cooperate and collaborate in a difficult situation. They're probably going to need some facilitation. So I couldn't agree more with you. I also think that what you describe is a situation where we have an extremely mature leadership uh, asking for this evaluation or, or commissioning this, this evaluation. And I'm not sure I've always seen that level of bandwidth with people that they actually realize this and, and are able to, to build into the design and, and evaluation taking into account the political nature of the, the engagement. Does this happen often for you that you're called in early? Yeah, but they haven't had that option. I mean, part of what I'm over trying to overcome is the way evaluation's gotten built over the last 50 years is a kind of military industrial manufacturing mentality about how programs work. And uh, and that, that turns out not to work well in a complex dynamic world and system. And so I don't totally blame these leaders because they haven't had that option of of having an evaluation that is developmental. I mean, for example, this whole notion that the evaluator is supposed to be independent. All independent does is guarantee distance and ignorance. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't guarantee any kind of good judgment. The point of independence is credibility. So the issue is not independence, it's credible. I get close to my, my the people I'm working with. I view it as a relationship business, not a methods business. And I can describe and will describe, and my accountability is describing in detail, how I manage the boundaries of that relationship. But my, for example, I uh, work with HIV AIDS programs. And when I work with one of them, uh, I tell them, my younger brother died of AIDS early in the epidemic before there were antiretroviral drugs. Our family was ravaged by AIDS. We know other families who were in hospice. I've worked with AIDS programs. I care about your effectiveness in AIDS. If you're not doing a good job, I'm going to be all over you like a fly on flypaper. And I want you to want me to do that. I want to work with people who want a critical friend who's going to help them get better. If that's not what you want, we need to part ways now. And so 
every program I get involved in, I share the values of the program and I come with skills and knowledge and facilitation to help them get better. I'm not independent. I'm not neutral about human violence. I'm not neutral about hunger. I haven't made up my mind about sexual violence. I have strong views about these things. I come with values and skills. And what I want to do is is help people be as effective as they can in delivering the work that, that they do and being able then to report that out. Um, and that means being there at the design stage to see what the issues are as they emerge, get them earlier rather than later. You know, as you well know, when you let problems fester, they get bigger and bigger and harder to solve. Uh, it's the old ounce of prevention story. If you can uh, intervene quickly and make pivots rapidly, you're more likely to keep things developing than if you wait until everybody's uh, at a, in a rigid stance with each other and nothing's happening. That stuff is hard to break down. That's why I want to be there early on. It is so interesting what you say uh, about building trust, uh, about making yourself part of the process, uh, about getting away from this very mechanical way of thinking about evaluations. What what are your criteria? I mean, we we have the the standard uh, DAC uh, criteria for for evaluating development uh, and humanitarian interventions. Uh, what, what happens to them? The DAC criteria epitomize military-industrial manufacturing criteria. They were developed 40 years ago, um, and they get treated as technical criteria. They're so widespread now that it's not even recognized how value-based they are. For example, efficiency. Well, who could be against efficiency? Um, the least amount of, of input for the maximum amount of output. It's a very mechanistic view of efficiency. A full cost accounting approach, a complex dynamic ecosystem approach, looks at the full cost of what's going in, the full cost of, of what's coming out, uh, the full impacts, including not just the immediate thing you're trying to do, but the effects upon the larger environment, the effects upon human health, the effects upon institutions. So, for example, when the Bill Gates Foundation and World Health Organization did their massive six billion intervention in Africa to eliminate polio, they virtually destroyed the African health system because they attracted all the resources, they hired the best people, they brought in the best equipment, they took over those units to focus entirely upon polio. And if you only looked at the efficiency of their operation, it looked very good. If you look at it from a systems point of view, they did major damage and they came to realize that, um, that they, in fact, you need healthy people, not just people who don't get polio. You need a healthy health system. And they had to move from a vertical focus, which is traditional management, go after your goal, put all your resources on your goal, put blinders on, go for your goal, to realizing this is a complex system and that we have to both build up the general health systems and go after polio, a horizontal and vertical approach. That was a pivot that came from evaluation. So so I am not an evaluation expert, and I'm probably putting my feet in very hot water now, but, but don't we have other criteria like connectedness and, and relevance that would help 
uh, also highlight the issue you, for example, mentioned with with the polio intervention uh, from WHO and, and Gates. Well, re- re- relevance is a very narrow interpretation of how well it fits with um, a agency's plan. Suppose the agency's plan is is bad. Suppose their criteria um, are bad. So you're they're judging themselves internally as a self-referencing are what are we doing what our agency wants us to do, not is it relevant to the needs of people on the ground? That's a different criterion. And it's it's a the effectiveness criterion, the what they call sustainability is the worst of the bunch because the the DAC criterion of sustainability is is actually continuity. It's not sustainability at all. Their their definition is that the what we paid for continues, not have we created a more sustainable, resilient system. And so it's actually a static indicator that leads people to try to guarantee that they've moved from one status quo to a new status quo that is rigid. They actually make things worse by creating a new system of rigidity that maintains what they did instead of creating a, a, a adaptable, resilient, sustainable system in terms of what we know environmental, human, ecosystem sustainability needs to be. So the each of those criteria are deeply value-based. Um, and to do transformative work, I've suggested that we need criteria like genuine sustainability, that the the work supports equity, that it is bringing, it's recognizing how systems operate and bringing about systems change from a complex dynamic perspective. Um, the And the that the interconnectedness of interventions is very different than the connectedness of the DAC criteria, uh, which is, which is a, another one of these mechanistic kinds of, of criteria. Okay, so that, that's all well and good. Now, I'm a donor, and I gave money for this program for three years, and they sold me this story, they sold me this intervention, and now they hire you as an evaluator to say, okay, they didn't do any of the things they told me about, but they, this guy has a nice story to tell, and it's okay. I, I'm not going to accept that. Well, it depends on what the situation is. If I told you the story that I was going to buy 50% of my food from Ukraine and feed the world with it, And I go back to you and say, oops, Russia invaded Ukraine. I can't do that. But I procured food from other places. Are you going to say to me, oh, you messed up. You told me you were going to get the food from Ukraine. That's a zero. You didn't do your. No, you're going to say to me, good job. And thank you for working out there without any sleep 24-7 to figure out how you're going to feed 30% more hungry people in the world because of that war and because of the pandemic. What I should have funded you for is figure out how to feed people and not have a plan that said you're going to get 50% of your food from Ukraine. That's micromanaging. I want to fund you to figure out where there are hungry people, who can you help, and do the best job you can uh, because you know the system. You've got people out there. You've trained. It's a volatile situation. There's pandemics showing up. There's politics. There's war. There's conflict. There's new refugee camps. There are more refugees than at any time in history. Go do the best you can. Tell me what you need. Tell me how you do it. Um, and uh, we'll have an evaluator 
working with you, but also reporting to us what you're learning along the way, how you're making these adjustments, because you don't have time to do that. I, I, I'm trying to think through in my head, Michael, my experience of these relationships with evaluators and donors and agencies and why, in my experience, they quite rarely are the way you describe them. Because I, I have to be honest, I, I, like your, I like your approach a lot. I like that uh, way of thinking through the, the complex, complex dynamics of a system. Uh, understanding that there are certain things we don't understand beforehand, we can't foresee everything, that it is the learning, the failing forward that's important. And it, it it's great when a learning exercise with an external consultant evaluator can, can be like that. But I, I just so often see that it's not like that, that there is a lack of trust or that there are some financial regulations in place. That means that the, the way we think about accountability is pulled so much closer to to an audit than than a learning exercise the, the way you describe it is well this, the, the the system is designed that way i mean the yeah the entire system is designed that way that's why people hate it and why it's not very very useful i've been on the other side of it i ran a usa project in the caribbean for 10 years an agricultural development project i had to to put up with that stuff um and I inherited a program I didn't design that had nonsensical outcomes. Um, and it was a very onerous process to be able to, to change those. If you, if you come in as an evaluator to a situation where you've been asked to do a rather mechanical evaluation exercise and you can see that this is not going to lead anywhere, what, what would you do? How would you try to turn this around? What, what are the, the ground rules for trying to make a nonsensical evaluation more sensible? It's a, it's a fair question. I run into it all the time, so I'll give away my secret here. Um, what I tell them is, look, the, the people who commission this don't know what they're doing or what they're looking for. So we're going to figure out what the min specs are to satisfy the accountability demand. What's the minimum that has to be done? What's the, what are they looking for as a baseline? And then, no, once you're guaranteed that you can meet the minimum requirements of results-based management. Fill out the forms, meet their criteria. What are the indicators? We're gonna figure out how to do that. And that is not actually usually that hard because it's pretty nonsensical. And then I say, so if I can help you do that, then would you like my help to actually do something that's worth doing? Uh, in, in figuring out how you can be more effective, and we can build that on top of the accountability piece so that you're not only showing you're accountable, but that you're thoughtful and making a difference. But let's let's take care of the accountability piece because it's on everybody's mind. Let's look at it, see what has to happen, get that done. Then we'll work on doing what makes sense. Um, and so it's a kind of martial arts approach to it. This force of accountability is coming. I grab it, I turn it, and then try to get to uh, the stuff that actually matters. And uh, people get, they get scared of the accountability thing. It takes over their heads. It becomes all encompassing. They worry about it. They spend a lot of time on it uh, and they still don't do a very good job of it. So if I can come in and make it manageable for them and say, look, the folks up there aren't evil and nasty. They just don't know what they're doing. They think this is what they should be asking. They, they have to worry about whether you're spending the money right they have to report to their governments. All right, we're going to do that. We're going to take care of that. Bam. Now, let's do something that makes sense. 
It's evaluation kung fu, basically. It is. It is. I like it. The evaluation profession has professional organizations in most countries. Um, they are regional associations like the African Evaluation Association, the European Evaluation Society. I was just in Copenhagen for that meeting. Um, the um, Latin American Society. And, and those associations, including the American and the Canadian associations, in the last three to five years have adopted resolutions that all evaluations should address sustainability because of the global climate crisis, and that all evaluations should address equity because of the increasing inequitable nature of the world. Um, and so a beginning point is for that hasn't reached the terms of reference yet. That hasn't reached scopes of work yet. They're still using the DAC criteria, which do not include genuine sustainability and equity. Um, and then the, the additional piece is moving from project outcomes, which is what DAC is good for, effectiveness, efficiency, to systems change. That what we need to be doing these days is changing systems that are not sustainable and that are not equitable. And changing systems is different than doing projects. So systems thinking from the design beginning, designing from a systems perspective rather than a, a project perspective, designing from a complexity perspective rather than a linear causality perspective is the way to deal with the complex kind of problems we have. And the, the uncertainties that come with a less detailed work plan get managed by having clear principles, which is also a place where I would do work. And I actually brought this up at a session devoted to humanitarian evaluation criteria at the European Evaluation uh, Society, saying that it was time that the humanitarian sector re-looked at the four major principles of humanitarian aid because they're badly worded, out of date, and not evaluable. And that it's time to make them evaluable, bring them up to date, um, and uh, make them actually able to guide humanitarian endeavors in a way that they don't now do. So you just killed our, our principles. Humanity, impartiality, neutrality no longer should be the guiding principles for us. No, it's the statement of them. It's not the titles of them. They don't actually um, state that particularly well. The independence, impartiality, and neutrality say the same thing three different times, which tells us how how political the sector is, that they have to keep repeating that over and over again. There's actually only one one principle that has to do with the actual assistance given people, and that is not very much guidance, and it begins with a statement that's inaccurate. The opening sentence is, wherever people are in need, we should help them. Well, that's not where humanitarian assistance is. It's not wherever people are in need. It's a particular kind of need. So the beginning principle doesn't even specify the niche for humanitarian aid. So, Michael, I think we agree that um, a lot of evaluation practice in the humanitarian space is way too mechanical compared to what it should be when you look at the situations we work in. We also agree that uh, a lot of what we do is is 
drawn out in one year planning cycle after one year planning cycle, making a real mess of what should be a short term stabilizing operation and turning it into some kind of protracted uh, situation. And I think these situ- this uh, these issues are, I think, much discussed and well understood uh, in the humanitarian sector. Not that any of us know what to do about it, but what can you as an evaluator do for us? If you if you had three wishes for the humanitarian sector, what what would you do? What how how can we change? How can you change this situation with an evaluation toolbox? Well, the first thing I would do is convene a group of the humanitarian uh, players, leadership, and people in the field, and redo the principles. Um, secondly, I would uh, out of doing redoing the principles come up with criteria that are specific to the humanitarian sector. The DAC criteria are worthless for humanitarian assistance. They should not be used. They're rigid. They're not, they're not appropriate. They're, uh, they're too accountability-driven. And so the, the, then the describing the role of the evaluator to uh, use the principles with people and this new set of criteria would change the role of evaluation to be able to do the very kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about. But it doesn't begin by changing the role of the evaluator. It begins by redoing the principles, coming up with criteria that are meaningful to the humanitarian sector, definitions of what humanitarian assistance actually is, and then a role of the evaluator that can support those criteria and those principles. I mean, an example of a, of a, of a radical redoing of the system that was in the Paris Declaration, I evaluated the Paris Declaration principles to change development aid. These aren't the climate principles, but 2005, the world came together and adopted new principles for development aid. And one of the differences in that approach, it hasn't been followed through, was to make receiving companies, countries and donor countries mutually accountable. Imagine a mutual accountability principle for humanitarian aid that that the wealthier countries have an obligation to provide whatever humanitarian assistance is needed to meet the level of need. And then we're not just evaluating the humanitarian deliverers and recipients, we're evaluating the donors and saying, you aren't living up to this principle, which says you have an obligation because you have wealth to meet this need. And that's mutual accountability. It's not just saying, hey, be thankful we gave you anything at all. Go out and use it well. Instead, it's saying the world system is fucked up and you need to, as donors, you need to meet the obligation and we will deliver on our part if you give us the resources. Mutual accountability. I like it. And Michael, I think that is a great note to end on. I'd like to thank you a million for coming on True Humanitarian. I really like your thinking i think it is very challenging i think it's very far from the way we do business today and it's and a lot of the points you raised today are really food for thought in terms of how we can use uh, evaluation as as a process that can help us evolve and basically do better for the people we serve so so thank you for that well we're on the same page with that that's the goal it's about the rights and the freedom to be for people to choose their path in life and dream souls of men beyond what you see stages are different for each who will lead 
reciters of outsiders that get fat checks, fly in, fly out of places with slums and jets. Ask better questions, pick apart, educate, and knowing the safe, we're here to build and debate. We are, we are searching for more. Open up your mind beyond rich or poor. For the truth, you've been warned. Humanitarian. <laughs> <laughs>